Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the Weekly Matches Knitted Show. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown, weighing in at 185 pounds here. I've joined with my regular co-host, who I'm sure we're set to spar for the next 45 minutes, the NR. He rips my head off and abuses me, as he usually does every week. What's a crack, mate? How are you doing? All good, mate. All good. How's things for you? No complaints, no complaints. It's Freddie out here in Los Angeles, so um, never a bad thing when it's a Freddie, I have to say. Um, a few hours away from me consuming a few performance enhancers. Um, before we get there, let's talk about everything that's going on at Manchester United, of course. Um, so much to talk about. Um, uh, I tweeted a thing the other day about United ending their pursuit, and Anthony will talk about that. We'll talk about other potential sentences that United definitely need to make and need to make soon. Uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about obviously some of the other things that went on in pre season, and of course, we'll take your questions. Thanks to all of you who have downloaded the podcast in the past, tweeted us questions, and everything else was very, very much appreciated. Uh, I appreciate you tweeting them to Colin. Colin's the only one I can read. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Matt, uh, first of all, the news that came out two days ago. Um, Anthony, uh, United have ended their pursuit based on Ajax's uh, quotation, press quotation. What, what's your take on this? I said this weeks ago. I think you you disagreed with me at the time. Um, I said this that we wouldn't sign Anthony. He's not the type of player we need. With too many players like him, it just wasn't going to work. And if, if we're going to rely on someone who hasn't proven it anywhere other than the Dutch league, really, what, what are we relying on then? What's the point? I think there was never really a point where we were definitely going to sign him. I think you had got an indication that we were definitely interested. More but interested. especially with Martial um, performing like he did in pre-season, and there's a there's a boost of confidence there from Ten Hag, the, the Anthony Martial, that he is going to be our striker. But at the moment, it looks that way anyways. I don't think we needed Anthony. But, I mean, Ten Hag disagrees. He thinks we do, and to be honest, no. the reason why United aren't signing him has nothing to do whether they want him or not. It has nothing to do with whether they feel he's an alternative, a, a, a genuine alternative, or whether he fits what United want to do. Just simply because Ajax are asking too much money. If I, if he, if Ajax asked what United considered to be a reasonable price, they would sign him. So what I meant, what, 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 a few weeks ago, United had said that they were definitely interested in him. And I'll get into a few of the things that I think have happened since then. Um, but, um, and obviously, needed need another forward, uh, especially after what happened with Darwin Nunez. So, clearly, Ten Hag looks at Anthony, knows him better than anyone, and believes that that would be, a, 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 in addition to matches, needed would significantly strengthen them. I disagree again. I think... Ten Hag's probably weighed up what he has in the preseason, and he said to himself, "Anthony isn't an out-and-out name. We don't need another Anthony-type player because we have that. We've got so Sancho. Never been informed up until never informed up until Thursday of last week. I understand that, but he's probably weighed up the pros and cons. He said to himself, this is the money we're going to have to spend on Anthony from from Ajax. He hasn't proven himself outside the Dutch league. He's." too similar to what we already have. We need an out-and-out nine. It's not that we need an Anthony type of player. We can both agree on that right now. We don't. We've got too many of them. We need an out-and-out nine. So I think he's weighed up the pros and cons and said to himself, you know what, for that money, you're right in saying if, maybe if he was a bit cheaper, we might have went for him. But for that money, we don't need him at that price. Let's go look elsewhere. We do need an oh, nine. We still need an nine. I agree. Need an I agree that at the price, um, but that's a different question, isn't it? I mean, saying like we're not paying that because of the oh, risk God, that's involved with buying a player from there at the visit. I totally understand that. Um, uh, but Ronaldo put that transfer request in, in a couple of weeks ago. couple of weeks ago, and there's an echo on your line. There's an echo on your line, But um, but, uh, you put that transfer request in. You'll have to mute your your your. your audio on the way or else put or put put, put uh, headphones in but Ronaldo put that transfer request in two weeks ago so if you need to make a decision based on that that they needed number nine then I don't understand why they would still have been in for Anthony last week so to me whatever way Ten Hag wants to play he feels he needed to need a player like him now he scored eight goals in the Eredivisie last season I don't think he's worth what I actually are asking. And in my humble opinion, I would agree in the sense that you know they don't need another winger. They need someone that can play central, that can score goals. I completely agree with that. 
but Ten Hag just doesn't. He thinks that, you know, regardless of whether Ronaldo goes or not, because remember when they were first in for Anthony four or five weeks ago, Ronaldo hadn't put that transfer request in. So they felt back then that they needed him. And one of the things that Ten Hag said in that press conference a week ago, it was vital that a forward was sent, probably more than any other player. We talk we endlessly about De Jong, but probably a forward is more important than any other player. I think definitely agree with you on the last point that a forward is needed more than any other player. And certainly Cesco is different than Anthony, so I would accept your point there. Yeah, but again, I feel like if if we're signing someone who's an out-and-out nine, it's not going to, in my opinion at this stage, it's not going to be someone that's a renowned goal scorer. It's not going to be someone that's a household name. It's going to be the likes of Sesco, maybe someone else that we haven't seen at the moment linked with us. It's not going to be someone that the fans expect. And I think that we need to be prepared for that. If Ronaldo leaves, however, I don't think he will, personally. I know he's he's throwing it out there that he wants to now they're mm. talking about supporting Lisbon, they're trying everything. I don't think he is going to leave. If he does leave... We need to get a renowned number nine. We need to get someone who's a household name. There's not that many out there, so it's going to be a struggle. So here, here's my view on this, right? The Frankie Dion delay, I totally understand. The Anthony delay, I don't, right? We are a week away from the season starting. So what are you reduced to at this point when you delay these signings so long? Now you're reduced to picking players off from selling clubs like Salzburg and Leipzig and these clubs, right? Because if you want to go out and send a top number nine, one, they're usually playing for top clubs and they aren't selling them a week before the start of the season. Or you got to pluck them from Portugal, Holland, what have you, somewhere like that, that they will sell them to you. And I don't think there's many of them out there anyway. So now when you delay sending a, a, a striker for so long or a winger or whatever you want to call them, the selling clubs now starting to lose incentive to sell because they have to prepare for their season. So it's a different phone call June 1st versus July 1st, right? And so now the skills start to tip in the favor of the selling club because now they can turn around and go, just like I asked it with Anthony, how desperate are you? How badly do you need another forward? And we're going to up our price. And that price goes up every week you delay this because it gets closer and closer to the start of the season. We've already sold a bunch of players we don't need to sell. And this is where United should have turned around on the Anthony thing and said, we move on mid-June. If we can't get him in mid-June and we need a forward, we're not dragging us out into July. We're not dragging us out into August. Frankie Dion, I understand because Ten Hag is desperate for Frankie Dion. Right? More than any other player. Right? But Anthony... I don't understand. United should have moved on to other targets at this point. I think it all goes back to the point that I've been making on this podcast for weeks now that we're reactive and not proactive in our approach. And that's the difference between us, City and Liverpool. That is that is the total difference between us, City and Liverpool. They're proactive in their approach and we're reactive. I think in terms of what, what's out there, there isn't really that much alternative to Anthony that sticks out in my head that we could have been going for anyways. So I think this market was always going to be a tough one to get in someone that one appeases the fans because you have to remember that there's a media <laughs> there's a media hounding of Manchester United upon every signing that we make. That just comes with the territory. So regardless of who we sign, there's going to be a media frenzy. Right? Um, Anthony is, in my opinion, an average player from what I've seen of him. He might, he might do okay at Manchester United. He might not. It's a 50-50 again. We don't know. He's probably similar to Van der Beek coming over, and Van der Beek hasn't performed the way we thought he would have performed going by his performances for Ajax. So you can't put all their eggs in that one basket in any regard. So they shouldn't have been. They should have had other options. But who are the other options? Because we haven't heard of them. We don't know who they are. So, I mean, going on the Frankie de Jong thing, I think de Jong still gets done. We, we've both been talking about this privately and on the podcast for weeks. We're both under the impression it will be done. It's just a matter of when, if not if. So, I mean... If we sign him, do you read into any of these things about the the number twenty one? Not really, but um, I mean, we can get into Dion in a minute. So, because something you want to pick up on something you said there, but we don't know who the alternatives are. We didn't know United were in from Malaysia, right? No one knew. 
there wasn't enormous speculation regarding Mart- uh, Lissandro Martinez, right? There wasn't massive speculation with Ericsson up until about two weeks before it started to happen. There wasn't massive speculation surrounding Sesco. That just came out a few days ago. So I refuse to believe that Manchester United that spend millions and millions a year on scouting um, haven't managed to identify another player outside of one that their new manager identified and Anthony. I mean, what if they didn't hire Ten Hag? Did they not scout players in that position? Have they not known for how long that Cristiano Ronaldo is unhappy or Cristiano Ronaldo will need to be replaced? So to me, that would be rank incompetence if they didn't have backups. And they will tell you they do have backups. But now you've got to move on those. Because if Ajax are going to re- reduce their price on Anthony, they will. All, the, the most likeliest time they're going to do that is when you're closing in on another target. Right? So they either need to call Ajax's bluff or move on. Right? If you're not going to drop the price on them, we're going to go somewhere else. That's fine. But it needs to be done now. And so I'm looking at this going, a week out, if you'd have said to me at the end of last season, a week before the start of the season, you still wouldn't have their main signings done. I would say that's massively disappointing. And when you look at the players that are going to leave, there will be a, a bunch more of a leave. United spent as paltry this summer for a football club that's trying to resuscitate. Uh, it's brand, it's image and everything else. That squad is short. That squad will win you games, but it won't win you a title. And by the way, lots of people saying Ten Hag finishes fifth. They'd be okay. Don't believe that for a minute. Because if you never finish fifth, that means they're going to lose big games. That means they're going to lose games against teams they should beat. That means they're going to be poor. The, 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 the criticism will be Solskjaer-esque. Make no mistake about it. So anyone that sits there and tells you, not anyone, but more, a lot of people sit there and tell you that they're okay with, with Ten Hag finishing fifth, are not telling the truth. The present moment always defines the past. Right? So right now, it's easy to be in love with Ten Hag. But he's going to get tested throughout the season, and make no mistake about it, if he finishes outside that top four, you'll have a massively divided fan base at the end of the season, no matter he's the right guy or not. Well, I think you, you touched on it there. We can't be happy with mediocrity. We can't be happy with finishing fifth. What's what's the point in, in playing a league season, being happy at the end of it if you finish fifth? Because for me, that's a, a disappointment. That's a failure. But what if you yeah. don't send a striker and send a defensive infielder? Is it realistic to expect them to finish above not in the top four with the squad that then? Truthfully, yes. If, if, if you're forgetting about the last couple of seasons and you look at these players based on who these players are. These players, well, you said it last week yourself, these players are good enough to go out and win a league. Mm. It's a fact they are. Yes, we need another striker. If we don't send another striker, it's going to be troublesome. Definitely. We need depth in the, in the, in the squad. I didn't say they were regardless. good enough to win the league, but they're certainly good enough to finish no. in the top four. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. We're good enough to finish in the top four, right? With the right coaching and everything ticking, yes, we could. And what's to say we can't win the league? That's We need to be optimistic. But at the same time, I can understand why people say, right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're, we're not good enough to win the league. But then then this all, all reverts back to who is the striker that's going to come in? If if we're going to go and sign a striker, apart from Sesco, who, who's the target that you've got in your head? Because the only one I can think of is Schick. That's it. He's the only uh, possible option I can think of in my head that we could possibly send. I honestly don't know. But let me ask you this, right? So to finish in the top four, you need to score 60-plus goals. Right? Mm-hmm. That means two players are going to have to get 20-plus. Who are the two that's going to get 20-plus? Okay, if we keep Ronaldo, he gets twenty plus regardless, right? I know you're you're hating on him at the moment. No, I, I just don't think it. he's going to stay. I think that he is a, he's backed himself into a corner and he has to get out. Now, and I don't think he will okay. stay. Well, well, if he does stay, right, he he gets. But I agree with you. If he was to stay and be professional, I mean, he stayed in his last season, two thousand and ninety-one. The league two thousand eight, two thousand ninety was exceptional, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. it's possible he could still stay. Um, I think we'll he gets twenty. I'm gonna go ahead. Okay. I think I think there's a possibility that one of Sancho, Rashford or Martial gets twenty plus as well. And I think the other two chime in with ten, fifteen each. So, I think that's reasonable reasonable to, to think that. I think you could get fifteen out of Bruno, right? 
I think yeah, um, like I haven't even brought Bruno in the conversation. I think definitely you get 15 20 out of Bruno. Well, I mean, I'd say 15 out of Bruno is an exceptional season, right? <clears throat> right, you get the best out of Martial, but that's a massive question. And the other thing mm-hmm. that concerns you get 20 plus, but the things that concern me come are how do you keep these players fit throughout the entire season because they're never fit throughout the entire season. I mean, you look at Pogba. I mean, I don't wish injury on the guy. I really don't. I don't wish anything uh, bad on the human being, but he's not out until after the World Cup. Um, Massive problem with United 2 constantly being injured. And I look at Martial. I can't... Has he ever had a season where he's he's been an ever-present or close to it? No. Right? Uh, Rashford. Loads of injuries over the last couple of seasons with back injuries, ankle injuries, what have you. Um, Sancho is nowhere near a 20 goal a season guy, right? Um, even if Ronaldo stays, you know, it's so bad, they need another forward. Anthony Lang is not there yet, right? Mm-hmm. Ahmad needs to be loaned out, Palace needs to be loaned out. Now, this is what worries me a little bit about Sesco. But Sesco, another Ahmad, you know, they don't need a player that they need to loan out. You know, they need a player that can hit the ground running right away. You know, they need a forward that's capable of putting pressure on the front three to take their position. Right? That that's what I mean. Every single player the United have had, where we've got the best out of them, have had legitimate uh, opposition. You know, we got the best out of Luke Shaw when Talis came in. You know, we got the best out of De Gea when Dean Henderson was there. Right? And this is consistent throughout the team. So they bother you forward to keep of coming and hitting the ground running right now, but the problem is the budget. Okay, let, let me ask you then. Who is your, your starting front three? Because you referred to the front three there. Well, it's the front three picks itself to me. I mean, as 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 it stands right now, the front three is Martial, Rashford, and Sancho. Those are the front three. You know, I mean, okay, we can't even come Ronaldo, sir. Here's the thing. Let's talk about Ronaldo for a second, right? This is, and I've said this on podcast before, but I mean this. Manchester United must make an example of Cristiano Ronaldo to show that they're a football club, right? This is not just about sending a message to Ronaldo. This is about sending a message to the players. This is about sending a message to everyone inside that football club. I don't care who you are. You behave like this, you're out the door. The biggest and most important currency in this football club is how you perform on the pitch. The problem with Ronaldo is this. And this has been obvious throughout his career. Cristiano Ronaldo has used football clubs for his own personal goals. He did this with Juventus. He came back to Manchester United because we're in the Champions League. Let's talk about loving Ferguson and loving United. Bollocks. Right? The first opportunity where Manchester United weren't able to serve his needs, he's out the door. Right? Because he is so obsessed with pursuing Messi. It just so happens that your interests align with Ronaldo's because, yes, winning trophies is important to him. But winning trophies isn't important to Cristiano Ronaldo. is winning personal accolades. Right, Cristiano Ronaldo will prove that by going to a club incapable of winning the Champions League this season, just so he can make sure he stays ahead of Lionel Messi. Right, so the problem with that is you have to change your whole football club to accommodate him. You have to make exceptions for him in the dressing room. You have to make exceptions for him with the media. You have to make exceptions for him with every single thing in your football club. This is why big clubs don't want to touch him, because you bring him into a dressing room and everything is customized towards Cristiano Ronaldo. At the expense of everything else. There's good or good and bad arguments. Look, Dennis Law went to Man City, didn't ruin his legacy. There's a state statue of him outside Old Trafford. George Best walked out in the football club so many times. There's a statue of him outside Old Trafford. So I believe over time Ronaldo will be forgiven. But let's deal with where we are right now. Right? He betrayed Ten Hag. This is a guy who done an interview in the media. Talked to Ten Hag on the phone, said how great everything was, how excited he was, then came out and put some transfer request in. How can you trust a guy like that? How would, why would Ten Hag even want them back in the dressing room? Just because United turn around and say, I'm only targeting players that want to play for the football club, except Cristiano Ronaldo, we're going to compel him to play for the football club. It's not consistent with an ideology, with me and true to an ideology. If that's what you want to do, that's how we're on a football club, then bend him. I, I agree with you, right? But I also think your opinion. Of Ronaldo is set in stone. You've got that from previous. No, that's the way you are. But it's fifty-fifty. As right? I said, there's good good arguments for and against. Yeah, but I think it's unfair in the current climate and how bad we were last year. You have to realize, like this guy is one of the best players in the he's world. He's part right? of the problem. He, 
but this is that you're you're jumping on him saying he's part of the problem, right? Of course, he, I'm not exonerating anyone. He, he's not. We with without him last year, where where would we have finished? Truthfully, where would we have finished without him? Well, I don't know. Where, where did we finish the season before without him? He's, but I'm saying last year. Look how bad we well, were. Well, I have year. a before and after sample. Where did he finish the year before with him? But it's it's not really a, a fair it's not it's not a fair point you're well, making. Well, you're asking because... me you're asking me a hypothetical because it's impossible the answer is true. The best evidence that we have is the year before and the year we haven't. But but we could say that about anything. I mean, last year well, we you were just asked the question: right? What would we be without him? And I said the best sample that we have of evidence is the year before. We definitely are going to need to spar off this conversation, right? So basically, right, if, if you're looking at it on layman's terms here, right, we were shite last season. We were we were good the season before. Shite last season, good the season before, right? Last season, whenever we're so bad, he was the one that carried us. Him or De Gea, De Gea was very good too, but he he carried us, right? Without his goals, I don't know where we would have been. You're saying to me I know, but it's not Cristiano Ronaldo, right? That, that's at the end, oh. end of that point. But what I'm saying is, is that you're saying to me that Ronaldo's part of the problem, right? But is it not Ronaldo's? Is it not Ronaldo's problem that last year we were so bad we didn't qualify for the Champions League? He's coming to the end of his career. You have to respect that. You have to appreciate that he's coming to the end of his career. He wants to play at the highest level still because he feels like he can. He's only going to play in the Premier League first. He's going to play Europa League. That isn't the highest level. But don't come back here with all this shit that you love the football club and this is one more run for Fergie and this is about how much you love the fans, how much football club. Just turn around and say, look, you're, you serve a purpose for me right now. That's it. I don't love you. My love for you is conditional. Okay. It's not unconditional. Okay. And once you no longer serve my needs, I'm out the door. Now, if you were in a relationship with someone like that and said, the minute you can stop writing checks to make me happy, I'm out the door. Would you call that love? No. That's okay if that's who you are and that's what you want to be. But don't sit there and tell me about the romance of coming back to Manchester United. How much you love the fans? How much you love Fergie? And how much you love this? And how much you love Greg Sausage Rose and all that shit? Just be honest and say, you know what? I came back to Manchester United because you were in the Champions League because you would allow me to provide a platform to chase personal accolades. I don't care what you win. I care what I win. Now, that was proven when he got taken off against Brantford and he behaved like a smack dart. Was that, like about, was that about the team or was that about him? But I, I like I like that. No he player left when should be European Cup winners. Come, he did the same thing when he had about European champions. I know, but what, I, okay, what I'm so, saying is so that is what Christy. was his argument back then? No, but but you're not getting okay. We know that as Cristiano Ronaldo. That's that's him. That's him as a person. We can't ask him to change his personality okay, because so you know what? what? I'm that's his, who he is. His personality is what makes him so great. You have to appreciate that. He is a player that every single player in that in that dressing room last year looked up to. Whether you like it or not, not that everyone. is a fact. No, it's not a fact. Okay. Some of them did, some didn't. Well, again, it's all it's all hearsay. I'd say every single one of those players, if they'd done half of what Cristiano Ronaldo has done, they'd be doing well because all of them were shade last year. Every single last one of them apart 100%. from were shade. And I'm not blowing smoke up his arse either. I'm just saying that this I'm talking about facts right now. He's one of the best players in the world. He still is, regardless of what you think. I, I think he still is. I think he can definitely do a job for us, and I understand why he wants to leave. We need to leave the romantic and the emotional side out of it. You're because a boxing you know fan, my There's friend. There's nothing romantic and emotional about Manchester United. What? You're you're a boxing fan, my friend, like myself. What you're yeah. looking at with Cristiano Ronaldo is exactly what you look at when you see an old heavyweight. The punching part's still there, but everything else is gone. Okay, as we know, punching part is the last thing to go in a fighter. That's what we see in Ronaldo. We can see a guy that still scores goals, but listen, the way we evaluate players today is completely changed. You couldn't use the same metrics to do, to evaluate a right back or a left back you used 20, 30 years ago because the position is completely changed. So is defensive midfield. So is centre back. So now it's no longer just about how many goals do you score. Right? Now it's about so much more than that. Manchester City, we said before, won the league without a number nine. So it's about so much more than that. Anyway, We've done that one to death. So yeah. uh, we've covered Anthony, right? Mm-hmm. As we've said before, United are interested in Sesco. So obviously, with the Ralph Ranyak link, United have been aware of Sesco for a while. Um, and I would agree with your original point that what it indicates is that most likely what will come in up front will be a young striker that is not uh, fully accomplished yet, that they're taking a risk on. I think that's very risky. I think, uh, as it was pointed out, you're an editor one injury away. 
from being completely threadbare. And they'll get that injury, there's no doubt. They'll get that loss of form, there's no doubt. I worry about players like Rashford and Martial when they don't have someone breathing down their neck and trying to take their position. I think they need that. I think they need to be pressured like that and pushed like that. I think Ten Hag needs that to bring the best out in those players because one of the things that we know about these players, we've seen this before, we've seen exceptional pre-seasons before, it's whether they can maintain it whenever the chips start coming, whenever the chips start falling. When things start come, getting criticism comes and all the negativity comes. You know, are they going to use muscle memory and do what they did before or are we going to get different outcomes? That's what worries me. And to me, this is why I have no problems with Ten Hag targeting players that he knows because it's not just about the quality, it's about the human beings, about the person. How are they going to react when inevitable criticism comes? Because even if you have the best potential season that all of us think they're capable of doing, which is top four, that will still come with criticism because they're going to lose big games. How do they react in that environment? But, like, if, if we're talking about it right now and we're saying that Ronaldo stays at Manchester United. Is the best thing not to bring in a young striker to learn under him? Because no, great. Like you just said he's the the last thing that goes is goal scoring. So if he can, if a long a young striker can learn under him, that's a good thing, right? So maybe that indicates that he is going to stay. If if we're hearing these reports of a Cesco like saying, and then someone young coming in to to learn the ropes under Ronaldo as a number nine, then it's perfect. But at the same time, Ronaldo has to be open to the fact that. At some point in January, this kid's going to overtake it. You're not going to play every game. You're not going to be able to throw the toys out of the pram when you get subbed off against someone at halftime and you get subbed off in the 60th minute because that is going to happen with with bringing a striker in. So maybe that's why we're here in the Sesco links. But we already know he's not going to change. We already know that Ronaldo's going to, not all of a sudden going to turn around and turn and go, yes, no problems, Eric. Sub me when you want. Put me on the bench when you want. We just know that. That's one of the reasons why top clubs won't touch him. Right, is because his expectation. First of all, I don't think he's capable of playing for a bigger club than Manchester United right now. Right. Uh, when I say capable, I mean capable of playing in a role that he feels is commensurate with his standing in the game. Sure, he's capable of being an impact player and coming off a bench. Montavia, um, Messi's going to pass him anyway because Messi's younger. And eventually we'll pass him no matter what. And I know that he's petrified of that. I, I, I'm not against superstars having egos that propel them to uh, individual goals. I accept that. That's that's a good. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you look at Ronaldo's situation right now, and I'm going to move on from this topic. Um, uh, we talked about this two, three weeks ago, and I said that Bayern Munich won't touch him. Right? These top clubs won't touch him. And it's turned out to be true so far. And so now we're talking about Sport and Lisbon. I mean, no, Sport and Lisbon is a fantastic football club, but go sign for FC Sheriff. Because clearly it's not about winning the Champions League. Right? And when you have someone that's so focused on individual accolades over the collective, that's been one of United's biggest problems in, in recent years. Individuals currently about themselves and not about the team. So <clears throat> that's fine when Ronaldo was the best player in the world, but now he's not. Um, Frank Dion bored the tears with it. And one of the reasons why United are continuing to pursue this was two reasons. I, this is a really weird story because if you speak to people in the game, they will tell you that Dion has no interest in going to Manchester United, right? He wants to stay at Barcelona, and even if he was to come to leave Barcelona, Manchester United wouldn't be his first choice. But clearly, United have been given encouragement from De Jong's team that he would come to Manchester United if the deal was agreed. United, if this deal doesn't happen, you cannot fault Manchester United. I think you can fault him with Anthony, but I don't think you can fault him here. I don't think so either. And I mean, you made a good point last week about the amount of money that he's owed. And would anyone walk away from that amount of money just to go and play the same game for another team that are probably worse off than where Barcelona are at the moment? It doesn't really make sense. I think the the one thing that we've got going for us is obviously Ten Hag and his relationship with Frankie de Jong, which is why we're still we're still there or thereabouts. We're both under the impression, well, I think you still are because I haven't spoke to you the last couple of days about it, but I think you are that it is going to happen. It's just a matter of time that 
until it does happen. I've been as confident at the beginning as I am now. I think it's just going to take time. I think Barcelona clearly need to free up money, and there's nowhere else that they can do it in the squad like they can do it with Frankie de Jong. It may well be, like Gary Neville says, that he needs to, to ha- um, bring a lawsuit against Barcelona, and that might happen after he leaves. There's a possibility that could happen because, obviously, they're keeping a lot of money from him, which is unethical. Um, and like the fact that he's still there and he's on he's on their tour and he's watching he's actually in New York at the moment playing tomorrow against the Red Bulls and he's watching all these other players like it, it's ridiculous that they're bringing in these signings and he still hasn't been paid so I can understand his frustrations and obviously that's the reason why it hasn't happened yet. No, look the way he's been treated is despicable, regardless of whether United are involved or not, and the way Barcelona have treated him really is a disgrace. Um, and and you know when when you when you're compliant with financial fair play, I'm not 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 La Liga financial fair play. You wait for financial fair play, and you're that much of a mess. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And um, if I'm a Barcelona signing, one of the first things I'm getting into, written into my contract is that there's no wage deferment and any potential wage deferment in the future. I'm making sure I'm protected against that because otherwise, these contracts are advisory, and why would anyone trust them? Why would anyone go there? I mean, and write whatever you want on there, because in about three weeks we'll pay you like we're paying the cattle up, right? Sometimes you're still going to start getting paid after a few weeks, right? So um, it 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 makes no sense to me why any player would go there right now, given what Frankie Dion was going through, right? Because Frankie Dion once joined Barcelona under the same premise that they did, right? And the treat. This is why. You know, when players leave and they get accused of lack of loyalty and everything. Loyalty to the fans, but not to the football club. Because football club have been you the first second they had an opportunity. Secondly, when these things are played out in the media, they're very rarely given equivalence. So you look at Ronaldo's situation. I'm sure Ronaldo has lots of good reasons, right? And I've often said, there's we should always ask why so many players want to leave. Because... They have a good reason too. And one of the reasons why they were really upset with Ranić is because when Ranić was coming out and going after him in the press, they felt he wasn't telling the whole story. They felt that there was a lot of broken promises from the club. There's reasons why we're behaving this way. Please tell our side of the story. I mean, imagine a new boss coming into your office. You've been treated like dirt for a year. You're angry about how you've been treated. And he goes into the media and starts putting the boot into you for your behavior. But like, hold on a minute here. That's not entirely fair because you're not telling the whole story. So I think there's legitimate reasons why players are unhappy. And, and, and so many are unhappy. That absolutely must get fixed. So I think uh, I think with, with that, you know, it, it's there's uh, lots of things to consider. And I think the internally, you know, to have to fix that as well. Uh, and I think when I look at Ten Hag's presence, I'm reminded every week why I'm glad it was him and not Pochettino. Yeah, definitely. And I know we had that argument at the start, but I'm also happy it's it's Ten Hag. But I want to touch on something there. I mean, the the fact that we're still publicly in for Frankie Dion, still hearing whispers from United that this this deal's definitely got a chance of happening, tells me that there's an agreement with Frankie Dion. Whether you know, I, I've read a lot of things saying, Oh, De Young doesn't want to come to United, De Young hasn't agreed to go to United. There is no mission. We, we would still be linked with him the way we are if he hadn't had an agreement. There's definitely been a chat between him and Ten Hag to say that he is up for coming as long as he gets this ways issue sorted. I mean, I think that that's obvious because there's no way we would still be in there. We, the, the links would have been shut down. It would have been done, dusted, see you later. So that's what leads me to believe that will definitely happen sometime soon. Well, I've said this before, Barcelona aren't behaving like a football club expects that relationship with them uh, beyond this. But this this one could easily run right to the end of the window. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I've asked United if they have alternatives. They've said yes. Um, they need to move on those, in my opinion, in the next week or two. I think that if De Jong, be similar to Fabregas, if he doesn't start in the first game for Barcelona, which it doesn't look like he will, I think that would... Certainly, uh, it's put uh, frightness up him a bit, and I think um, that will prompt him to make a decision. Uh, there are no other football clubs in from as far as I know, so he really only has the one option. Uh, and uh, I would be surprised if another Premier League club came in from and he went to them above Manchester United. Um, what have you made of preseason so far? It's good. It's been refreshing. It's been exciting. 
it's the first time in a couple of years I've actually been excited about Manchester United. Um, there's been doom and gloom surrounding us for quite some time. Probably, well, I mean, that, that season we finished second was great, but since then, like last year, it was a complete shambles from start to finish. Um, I just couldn't wait for it to be over. So when I'm when I'm watching preseason now, it's it's refreshing to see. It's good to see the differences that we can already see as fans. Think about what the players can see that's different when they're so close to it. I mean, um, a lot of people have been saying, and I know I've, I've been speaking to one person who's very close, and he said that it's a completely different atmosphere. Everything's different. Um, so it's good. It's good for us to know that as fans, and it's it's hopeful that, that over the next couple of weeks, like it, it all depends. Again, we can't base this on preseason and say we're going to come out all guns blazing because we probably won't. But whenever we look at it and what, what's possible over the next few weeks, if we can get a good start and we can get three, four wins out of the first three or four games and happy days, let's see what happens from there because we have got a tough enough start of the season after Brighton. I think one of the things that I really liked from Ten Hag was him saying, look, we have to plan for the future, but in order to get to the future, we have to have a winning team today. So you can't turn around and say, what's important is six months a year from now. No, you must win now right, with what you have. Um, obviously, he's made some subtle changes. You know, a lot gets made of simple things like um, a player getting dropped because he was late twice um, and no phones, no chips, no idea. This, is, this happens with every manager, right? Everyone does this. And it's really easy to, to, to get excited about that. The question then becomes how consistently does that start getting applied once more and more variables start getting introduced? Like, you know what? This guy's behaving like a bit of an arsehole, but he's, over the last three months, he's become absolutely vital to me and I don't have an alternative. Maybe I start bending the rules, right? This is where things start. And this is exactly, I hate to, to, to do this one more time, but this is what I'm talking about with Ronaldo, about making special concessions. And we never did this before with Cantona, right? But you, you must have consistency in addressing them. Um, anyway, uh, I, I like that. I like just every, a disclaimer, like, just a disclaimer for everyone listening. Phil absolutely hates Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't actually. I, I, I think, like I said, I think there's good arguments for and against. And I argued for him last season. You can easily turn around and say you're right and saying that those goals matter. There's no guarantee that someone else is going to come in and score those goals. There's no guarantee. And I, I don't think it's all negative. And I think that he has legitimate points on. on other players and particular people at the football club not meeting certain standards. He's, he's right. That's not my issue. You know, Rooney was right. You know, that wasn't my issue. So it's all about how he's going about it. So to me, um, I like everything that Tim Hag has said so far. Um, what is absolutely vital now is that you need to get him at least another two more players. But before the window closes, there's no way this is all, this is the only sentence that we're going to make. No way. Right, there'll be more players coming. What must happen if they don't send De Jong? They don't rely on Fred and McTominay. They are designating De Jong as a need right now, and they have Fred and McTominay, and they're willing to spend money on Frankie De Jong that I don't think he's worth, which tells you how much of a need they have in that position. They can't go from that to nothing, so they must make sure. I know Milankovic, Savage, and everything. I don't know much about it. I haven't asked. I'll find out. Um, but they have to do that. That, that. To me, there has to be two more top players brought into that football team, a defensive midfielder and a striker. And when I see everything that I'm seeing with Ten Hag right now, it would be such a shame not to back him 100%. And, and, and you know, the, the Anthony thing, you know, honestly, it should have been wrapped up weeks ago. And now I think with the league getting so close, United are in a bit of a desperate situation and the price of players that they could have signed three, four weeks ago will now have gone up. I think we'll make three more signings. Predicting it could be completely wrong, but I could see a right-back being brought in, something similar to the way Malasia happened and we didn't really hear much of it. It just happened. I think that could happen with a right-back. I would love it to be Denzel Dumfries. I don't know if it will be or not. That's who we'd love it to be. I think we'll definitely get a defensive midfielder. I could see if we don't get De Jong. I've seen the Milinkovic Savage. He's been, you know, touted for a few years now. To come to United, it's never really happened. There's definitely a possibility there. He's a good player. He was very good for Lazio. He's got, he's he's a bit attacking minded at times though. So I could maybe see someone different. I would love to see Yuri Telemans personally. I think he's a, a man made re- replacement well, of De Jong if we can't sign him. I think he offers us Premier League experience. And I could definitely see a sign on a young striker. So I'm hopeful that we make three signings. I'm not saying we definitely will, but that's my prediction. 
Um, they still need a goalkeeper as well. Um, I would be surprised if a right back comes in with their players being sold, but uh, I would love to see one come in. I agree. Like, are, you, are you happy? In, are you happy enough going into the season with Dallow and? No, uh, no, 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 of course not. I want to see a right back brought in, but I, I just think that the United have so many other person needs that they will address defensive midfield and forward first. Um, I mean, Ten Hag didn't mention right back being sort of a priority position. I, I agree with you. I think it should be a priority position. Um, I, I have no confidence in Juan Bissaka uh, or Dallow, to be honest, provide the quality that you need over a 38 game season. And I don't think there's any potential alternatives in the youth team that could step up. Um, you know, there are Ethan Birds going out, uh, so it's it's hard to see where that quality comes from. So yes, of course, but I I don't think you know will do that without someone leaving. Um, and I would I think they would love to see Juan Bissaka or someone like that go for decent money. Um, do you want to get to some questions, mate? Or do we have them ready? Yeah, I'll uh, go through them here. So first one's actually from my cousin. So he says, uh, Joe Wiggins. Do you think with the introduction of five subs, we will be even further behind this year due to the lack of squad depth? Because mm. we could fall further behind City and Liverpool due to the amount of players who have left and not been replaced. Yeah, so I was thinking about this whenever um, we're talking about the team that finished second. So this is a weaker team than the team that finished second because of the number of players that have left. And so, to me... Um, I, I would be concerned. Uh, I think Ten Hag's alluded to this and talks about the depth that's needed and the, the options that are needed. Um, you know, I think you need at least at least three more. I think they'll get two more. But this is what I was saying about over the course of a 38-game season, keeping these game, these players fit. What's the alternatives if they don't stay fit? And that concerns me. So we've got one here from a, a guy who calls himself Boris Johnson. Yuri Nitter, he says, uh, at what point do we take note of the red flags with John Murda and Eric Ten Hag? The transfer window has been a shambles in player identification and transfer execution. To date, we have eight centre-backs, seven full-backs, and only two centre-mids and two strikers, both of which have expressed a desire to leave in the past six months. Yeah, so the unbalance, the, the squad being unbalanced is... A basically a result of years of mismanagement. Um, it's hard to know. You see, Richard Arnold was quite clever in that interview by saying John Murder go gets players. John Murder does and he doesn't, right? Now, there's a reason why Richard Arnold went to Barcelona and not John Murder on his own. Because John Murder has his role stops when it comes to negotiating um, the, the the financial aspects of a deal. You know, they're not letting people who don't have a financial background negotiate on behalf of that football club. Now, they can discuss everything else, ter play in terms, you know, how often you're going to play, where you're going to play, what position, what the evolution, all that stuff, right? When it comes down to negotiating how much a player plays, signs for it, that is Richard Arnold's job. So, again, I, I, you can't fault them with Frankie De Jong because they... And from my opinion, they agreed to overpay for Frankie De Jong. They done really intelligent on Malaysia. I think they done well to get Lissandro Martinez ahead of Arsenal. Ericsson, I think um, they did well to get him relatively straightforward. So it's hard to fault them at this point. Um, I know that obviously some of the things that have happened over the last few years, but there's also a reality. Uh, John Murder to me takes responsibility for a few things. Um, and I think uh, he's not blameless, but I think it's been such a dysfunctional football club that there's so many other problems that bleed over into other positions that it's hard to hold them accountable on their own. Definitely. Um, the next one I've been thinking about in my head, and I'm not too sure of my answer for it, but Matt has asked, do you think that Ronaldo will become so desperate to leave that he and George Mendes will offer to buy out the remaining year of his contract? Would United entertain this, or does the board, i.e. Joel Glazer, have too much ego invested in Ronaldo staying at the club? There's no way Ronaldo will do that. I, I mean, I can't see it, it happening, no. First of all, you're talking about a guy that's not particularly pleased that his wages are being cut, and you wouldn't see the need to do that. Um, so, no, I can't see that happening. Um, okay, so Dan has asked us both for our predictions for the starting 11 for next weekend. 
So I told him last night whenever I tweeted him back that we would do this. So you go first. So De Gea, Shaw, um, I think it'll be a centre back pair, and I don't think I don't think Lisandro Martinez will start. I think it'll be uh, Maguire, Varane, or Maguire Lindelof. I'm going to say Maguire Varane. Uh, I'll say Dallow at right back. I'll say McTominay, Fred, Bruno Fernandez, Sancho, Martial, and Rashford. Okay, so I'll go De Gea, right back, Dallow. Centre back Lindelof and Maguire, left back Shaw. I think midfield three will be Fred McTominay, Bruno. I think that picks itself to be honest. And I think I'm gonna throw my neck out there and say Ronaldo, Martial, and Sancho as the front three. I can't see Ronaldo starting with the season a week away. The only thing I would question that I'm not certain about is if Ericsson starts. Because I think Ten Hag will also pick a team based on the opposition, on their strengths and weaknesses. And maybe he doesn't want to go with two defensive midfielders against Brighton. Maybe he believes that... I think if one was to miss out, it would be McTominay. I think he would play Fred. I think he would trust Fred in that deeper line role more than he would trust McTominay. But maybe, maybe, maybe Eriksson could start. And I'm looking forward to seeing Ericsson, by the way. I think uh, that's a really good sign if you need it. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think Ericsson, to me, is an upgrade on Pogba. Um, I think uh, that strengthens United. Obviously, they, they need to replace Matt. Matt, I don't think they really do, because I don't think they you know, wasn't playing enough. But that defensive midfield, you know, if you listen to Andy Mitten's podcast, fantastic podcast, by the way, Right, um, him and Laurie and Carl Burning Podcast. I highly suggest you listen to it. They were talking about uh, he was talking about how he had spoken to a lot of people in football about Frankie Dion, and they all laud him. And I've seen this a lot with players that fans don't rate, but people inside the game rate really, really highly. Like, I remember criticizing Michael Character Martin Yall once, and he absolutely ripped my head off. <laughs> but, um, I honestly believe. That if De Jong was to sign in the last day of the window, he'd be worth the wait. I think he would be magnificent for United. I really do. He he would he would be, and I I'm the same as you on that. But I disagree with you in in what you've said on Fred. I think he would trust McTominay more than he trusts Fred. I think the physicality that McTominay brings to the yeah, midfield is something that's needed. And I think up against a team like Brighton, who are a very physical side. I think he would definitely he would he would go with McTominay over Fred. Yeah, I could be wrong, fair. but that, that's, that's my fair. opinion. That's fair. That's um, fair. That's we've got another one here on. Do you think that we'll see a lot of players leaving the club? Surely Jones, Twanzebe, Bay, Tellez, and possibly mm. even Wambasaka should all be leaving the club over the next week. No, I don't know if leave over the next week, but I think they'll leave before the end of the window. I think uh, Bay will go. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, Phil Jones, if he needed to find someone to take him, will go. Um, I think they get rid of Tellers, obviously. Brandon Williams is someone that um, United are looking to move on. Uh, there's some issues there, I'm not getting into it. Um, but hopefully that move materialises for the kid. <clears throat> and, um, you know, there's other players that are available, of course, no question. So, and look, United are heavily impacted by the financial markets. The Fed's increased the, in the interest rates out here again yesterday. <clears throat> You know, his debt is in dollars. They have to make sure they're not allocating wages to players that aren't playing. That the, uh, uh, and such as the unbalance of the squad, they need to allocate that in other areas. Um, so I think um, I think they will look to cut the fat. I think they'll look to get rid of some of those players. And there's legitimate interest in them. So, you know, they could sell Brandon Williams. They should have sold Dean Anderson and not loaned them out. <clears throat> um, and if had they have done that, They'd then they sitting, James Corner. Well, they'd probably be sitting at a negative or or a, a net spend of almost zero. Yeah, and we also could have loaned James Garner to Forrest because he was great there last season and People that was obviously a possibility up until that point. He will, but I would have liked to see him at Forrest because he really, he done really well there. And I thought that would have been good for him going into his second season there. So not quite sure about that. Um we'll give it one more question. There's so many, but I'll pick one here. Um Do you think if it comes to it, this is from Joseph Longo, at the end of this, at the start of the season, if we haven't made the correct sentence, that Ten Hag would consider the talent in the academy? 
why you would have no choice. But the reality is, uh, most of them are nowhere near Reading, right? I mean, the jump is massive, absolutely massive. And, you know, if you go back to when Ferguson was there, they had bought essentially cooperation agreements with the likes of Antwerp and what have you, because they needed another level to loan players out before they came back and went into a Premier League team. We just talked about James Garner, right? So to be able to pluck a kid from the academy and rely on him in the first team is a massive risk. You can do it with wide players, you can do it with an Alanga. But down the middle, oh, that's very, very risky. And very, very rarely does it happen. Very rarely do you see top clubs promoting youngsters in centre-back position, in the centre in the defensive midfield position, or centre midfield into the centre striker position. Usually you get them out wide, left back, left wing, right back. But they're, they're, even when you're above Phil Jones, they wouldn't play him as a centre-back, they play him as a right back. It's a big, big risk to put a young kid down a spin of your team. You're muted. She just started out there again. Forgot about that. That's because of that old, uh, echo you were talking about. No, I think definitely agree with you. I think in terms of if, if he has to rely on someone coming through, it's going to be tough because it's going to be tough on that kid, but it's also going to be tough for us in the first team. I think Shola Shorteri has showed that that he can score goals, um, but I don't think relying on him at, at this point of where we're at at the moment is fur on him or fur on Ten Hag. So I hope it doesn't get to that. We shall see. Um, I suspect the next time we record this podcast, a lot will have changed next week. I think um, a lot will happen uh, in the next week. Um, yeah, they're obviously going to show sense of urgency here to try to get some details over the line. I've talked to them and asked them about deadlines on players, and they do have deadlines on players. They do have alternatives. So I think um, we'll start to see some of that. And hopefully I can activate an economic lever and get out for a pack. <laughs> That's it. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, we'll be back again next week. Yes, folks. I'll see you later. Thanks for all the love and support. Much appreciated and hope my mental health as well. Calm. All the best, mate. Thanks, mate. Speak to you soon. Cheers, folks. Give me a ring.